sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match this. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. Everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick Riccardi. And joining us again, special guest. Hi, David Schneider. Yeah. Wait, you said special guests. Is there somebody else? Oh, I did I? I well, I must have been lisping or something. Uh, but it is David Snyder number three, not number one or two. That's true. Yes. yes. Um, the other two, yeah, are technically on this call, I guess. In spirit. Are they? Well, are we're... they on this call too, or the previous? The previous call. This one's just. just yeah, that's one. true. We just got through <laughs> to the one. Uh, this week we're doing Pat. Branded to Kill versus Police Story. Asian cinema. Oh, you know, before we started, I want to say, like, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. I don't know why, like, we're like the original model for quarantine podcasts. I don't know why these podcasts sound so fucking shitty. Like, podcasts with engineers and stuff, and then they have these, like, Skype calls that sound like they're coming out of my butt. Really? I mean, I've been listening to some, like, Comedy Bang Bang sounds fine. and That one's okay, yeah. Although Office still, ladies. some of the calls are not are not the best audio quality, but huh. they're using Zoom, so I don't know how they're doing it. But I don't know. All I know is you, we, me and Pat spent like thirty bucks each on these headsets. Yeah, that might be a thing. I think people like use their their, their internal iPhone mic and shit. Yeah, or internal mic or their the i i. What do you use, David? Because you sound great too. I just have an external USB mic, but like like you guys, okay. it's a it's not like I spent actual money on it i mean i think i spent about twenty dollars so it's right. uh, it's not high, high quality yeah well, people are using like their their iphone ipod ears what are they called i know there's a name for them the ones that stick the out air, your oh the airpods Air Air i was gonna say i was gonna say airbud but that was a movie about a, a, a <laughs> dog. Playing dog wasn't yeah. it <laughs> Yeah. Dogs can't play basketball, David. I'm sorry. You clearly haven't seen airbud oh, let me check the rules oh appears that you're right uh yeah yeah, I don't know. It's weird. And we also, what, we just, we do it over Skype, and there's this program called Call Recorder you can get for, like, 20 bucks. Why do you even need an engineer at this point? Just do it all in GarageBand or whatever, like we do. Anyway. But pop- you can hear how those, if you ever listen to our first episode, I don't know if we ever put that one uh, Yeah, online. I don't know either. <laughs> that sounded like some of the shows you might be talking about. Yeah. Well, I'm just putting other podcasts on, on blast. Uh, anyway, yeah, so Branded to Kill, the first one by Seijin Suzuki. Um, interested to hear your guys' thoughts on this. I I don't know that a plot summary is super necessary, but I, guess <laughs> I don't know if you could do... I mean, there is an actual thread of a plot there, but... Yeah, yeah. Unnecessary to describe it because it was, I felt I think they felt like it was unnecessary to the movie. I mean, it was less about the plot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> more about the style, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, what were you? I'd seen it before, um, but I remember the first time I saw it. There were like points in it where I was like, "What is happening? Where <laughs> are we right now?" I don't even. I was discombobulated. But watching it this time, I just I, and expecting that, I was like, "This is just a weird movie." I, uh, I again, I'd, not, I'd never seen this before. I really knew nothing about it. 
um, you know, after I watched it, I looked it up and learned, learned a lot about it, obviously. But I, I really enjoyed this one. I thought this was fantastic. I can understand why people didn't like it at the time. And I definitely didn't get everything and I couldn't follow the plot. And there definitely were times I was confused, but I, I just, I enjoyed the visual so much. I, I, I loved it. Yeah, me too. I, that's what I thought when I first saw, it. I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say it's David Lynch's. So it's not really that style, but it's, I guess, kind of absurdist. I, you read about it, David. So, you probably know the studio uh, fired him, blacklisted him, basically, after this movie. Because they, they were hiring him to make B-movie gangster pictures, basically. And he was he made, like... He made, he, made, he made an art film. Yeah, yeah, that's what he did. And, and it, it wasn't the first one, so this was like the last straw. And they he had to end up suing them and didn't make another movie for, for 10 years. Um, they... The studio, Nikatsu Studio, they claimed his movies made no sense and no money. That was their <laughs> famous quote. <laughs> I, you... I, I get that it's a masterpiece, and I hear what you guys are saying, and stylistically is really cool, but I did not care for this movie. Really? Oh, I oh, loved I, it. I'm sorry I watched it so late, because I really would have liked to have watched it again before we did this, because I really enjoyed this quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, that I'm surprised, Pat. I just thought it was like I didn't know anything going into it either, and I, I just thought it was like the worst of art films and the worst of action films combined into one big mess that I didn't care for. <laughs> really? But I thought it looked good. I, I thought it looked really good, and I get why Tarantino likes it because there's lots of feet. But other than that, yeah. I didn't... <laughs> you could definitely see the lineage to, to Tarantino, and and I think you can also like see the lineage of like the John Wick films too. You know, with the the, the phantom underworld where everybody you meet is in this underworld and you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the rankings and everything. Yeah. And the, yeah the rankings, the rankings were pretty fun. I, I thought it was, it was yeah. so absurd. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. So, so it's about the, the number three hitman in, in Tokyo or in this underworld. Um, and he, he's given a missions to take people out. Uh, and then he eventually, uh, accidentally shoots the wrong person so he becomes a target of the number one hitman and oh there's... but the reason why he ends up shooting the wrong person is fantastic <laughs> oh yeah uh, he's, he's he's got the, you know he's this great assassin and he's got the shot all lined up and then a butterfly lands on the on the end of his rifle and makes him <laughs> miss the shot <laughs> i love that yeah me too yeah so he then the number one hitman is gonna take him out um and then there's a whole weird sequence where they're, for some reason, living together and not <laughs> shooting each other. Well, but I guess the number one hitman likes to fuck with people. That's his style. But yeah, it's... And one of the, the write ups of the movie, what I saw was that this was symboli- the symbolism of him working with his production company. Mm. And oh, reading that, I just yeah. gave the jerk off motion because. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's true. Man, Pat, uh, see, this is, I think this is. This is one of my favorites. Um, oh, I don't mean to. Sorry. I can't. I can't believe you did. I didn't because I don't think it's like when you say it's like the worst of art films. I don't think so. Have you? I've seen a well, lot of that's, European that art films that sure. are awful. Um, I didn't. I thought. I found it more like more of a genre picture with artful touches, I guess, than like a straight up art film. I mean, it was fucking weird, but. 
But it still definitely was, you know, it was a Yakuza film. I mean, it was yeah. it was a Hitman film. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was beautifully shot. I thought it was fantastically edited. And I was shocked when I started reading up on it afterwards. And it said it was edited in one day, which <laughs> I, I, I got I, I to be honest, I do not believe. I mean, yeah, I, that, I just don't. I don't believe that is possible. That can't be true. Because it's not it, it can't be true. It's not sloppily edited. You know, it said in the thing, well, you know, one of the reasons it was they were able to edit in one day is because he uh, he shot only what he needed, which may be true, but that only helps you to a point. Yeah. I mean, it says 25 days to shoot and three days for post-production. That is crazy. Well, they were, I mean, like I said, they wanted just a, a cheap, cheapy uh, Yakuza film, basically, so they didn't give him much money or time, I think. So, John, did you see the sequel to it that, that got made like 30 years later? I didn't. No, I haven't seen it. Um, I would like to. Yeah, I th- uh, I thought also just beyond the visuals, like some of the some of the hit his hits, the touches were like pretty yeah. cool. Like when he shot from behind the billboard. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the cigarette thing. The, yeah, the lighter. The, the lighter. Or he sh- when he shot, didn't he shoot from a hot air balloon? No, he jumped onto a hot air balloon. Oh, to escape, right? Yeah, he shot up uh, the plumbing. The 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 (laughs) same. Yeah, he shot. Just absurd, but wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that stuff I liked. That was fun. (laughs) See, I could. This is the kind of movie I could watch over and over. I feel like I. What were your specific problems with it, Pat? That it made no sense, or I didn't mind it making no sense. I minded it being. I just found it boring. I, mm. I just like when it got to the end, I was like, Oh my God, this is never going to end. Really? It's a short yeah. movie too. I know. <laughs> and, and his, his wife who apparently didn't own very much clothing that didn't, that didn't help. <laughs> I was, but she, I was, she was naked pretty much the entire time. Yeah, right? she, that wasn't. Yeah, no, she was. I was surprised by the amount of nudity in this movie. I didn't know that happened in the sixties. Oh, in Japan. <laughs> yeah. It is. It does point to like, you know, all the weird Japanese film is and just culture in general is considered like very weird to Westerners. Um, this is like, the, I don't know. Do you think this wasn't a weird movie to Japanese people? Do you think this was just like, Oh, this is just regular. No, I don't, because I'm thinking like, I'm just thinking of the Japanese films I'd seen of the period. Um, and I can't think of any earlier examples of something this weird. I mean, okay, that's Kurosawa, I, I who is, I thought, yeah, I thought you were saying this was a typical Japanese movie, and I was... No, no, surprised. I think at the time, it's like the first example I can think of where it was really off-kilter. I okay. Mean, I mean, like, French New Wave happened quite a bit earlier than Yeah, this. like 63, 64, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you can see the influence. But yeah, yeah I can't... I don't know... Japanese cinema is not my expertise, so I don't know a ton. But, yeah, I can't think of anything earlier that was this avant-garde and weird yeah i i think uh i love the you, you spoke about the naked wife um i love her over-the-top reactions that somehow worked but you could never do that in an american film like she was just screaming and hysterical the entire her entire time on screen <laughs> well that, speaking of that one one touch i loved what 
uh, when she was doing that kind of later on when he finds her at the at the gangster's place and she's, you know, yelling and screaming and and then it's just a big over the top scene. And then there's that super close up of her like peeking through her fingers. Yeah. Just like, see, is this working? <laughs> is he falling for her? I, lo- I love that. I, I love that. I mean, besides just the general confusing nature of some of the scenes, um, there, he doesn't even bother with exposition, really. He's just like, you're in this. This is what happens. I like, I love that he shot that, that old warehouse and it just erupted in flames a second later. <laughs> There's a little bit of exposition from that for, in the beginning from the drunk, the drunk failed hitman. Yeah. Where he kind of explains, he, they do set you up with a little explanation of how things work in this, in this universe. Yeah. Did and, they, here's, here's one thing I didn't, I'm sorry. I, I oh, don't mean to interrupt. Um, but it's just speaking about that. And I, I assume we, we can give away spoilers, right? Yeah. Ah, 67. Okay. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, it's long enough. <laughs> okay. So the, the passenger at the beginning, the, the client at the beginning right, mm-hmm. was revealed to be number one. Yes. Did they, yes. did they ever explain why he was the client in the beginning? Was that like just to kind of. No, I mean, the, he needed to be driven somewhere and and delivered safely. And they said he was like, you know, some kind of big deal, but they didn't. I, I, I think that's all it was. Like he was the number one, so he needed to be guarded. Uh, I don't think there was much more to it than that. Other than to have the the reveal that he was the number one later, gotcha. Yeah, and I, that was that was foreshadowed pretty pretty solidly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's not like there wasn't a plot. It just it wasn't. It's not the first thing you're gonna remember when you when you watch it after you watch it. Um, it, I was what was I gonna say? Yeah, that the that with the drunk hitman, like that scene where they pull up and get ambushed. That was another scene where I'm like, where, who is he shooting? Where are these people? <laughs> He's like up in a tree somewhere. <laughs> and uh, Joe Shishido, the the main actor, um, is, if you're into Japanese cinema, is probably like the second most rec- recognizable Japanese actor after Toshiro Mifune, just because he had those, really? cheek, those cheek implants, man. I've, I've never seen him in anything. I guess I haven't seen enough Japanese movies. He, well, he was, I guess he was in a lot of these B movies really. And Yakuza films and gangster stuff. But, um, as far I, I just say recognizable be mostly because of the cheek implants, <laughs> which, which are really weird looking. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't have a clear idea, uh, picture of why he did that, but. Oh, that's really cheek implants is not the way his face is. No, he got cheek implants. Yeah. Oh. Oh wow. Yeah. That's really weird. I just thought he had an odd face. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, it made him. Uh, it made him distinguishable, I guess. Yeah. And I love the the proto proto uh, goth chick. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she just wants to die. She has a bird nailed to her rear view mirror or a bird with a nail through it hanging from her yeah her apartment with all the the butterflies dead butterflies (laughs) and Mm. yeah i just want to die (laughs) my dream is to die that's that's what she said yeah never smiles once Mm -hmm. and she gets her wish at the end another spoiler yeah 
that oh that was another weird scene the reveal of like what was being done to her a film projector just starts playing a film of them torturing her basically and he's watching it and there's no explanation I mean, I I assume that was number one set that up, but I don't know how it just started playing. I mean, there was no explanation, I guess. Yeah, I, that confused me while I was watching. I was like, are they saying that he's really talking to her? Like, is this some kind of like uh, film effect I'm supposed to pick up when he's talking to her? And then I realized later, oh, it was actually literally a, a film projection in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to imagine that that's how number one normally works. That he just drives his his people crazy he doesn't just go that's, shoot them he moves in with them that, i mean that's what they say they say he works like he doesn't just yeah they actually have that line in the movie right where like he doesn't he 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 runs you down or something like that he wears you down yeah it just really does not seem like a very good tactic I no. mean, in general well, i mean who are you to say he is number that's, one that's true i'm number 17 at best so <laughs> yeah i mean his his methods are very sadistic which i guess is not out of line for a hitman but you'd think <laughs> He he takes too much pleasure from fucking with people. You think he would just want to get the job done? Yeah. But another weird scene that I didn't understand was when they go to the restaurant together to eat, and then the the number one says he's going to the bathroom, and Joe Shishido walks into the bathroom, and there's some weird deformed guy there who calls him a jackass or a fool or something and he's throwing yeah, well, a the, clump of hair in the water i think the, the, well the only thing i got it and this doesn't explain well, it but the, the clump of the hair is like tag back to right when he yeah. kills his wife there's that same shot of of her in front of the toilet and the hair is going around the toilet so right. it's somehow a reference to that but that's all but I what got. does I that mean understand. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah i thought yeah, the those kind of scenes are the scenes that i didn't care for ah you're insane pat <laughs> I did like the soundtrack too, the jazzy soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack was awesome. It was and the and the lyrics to the song were Yeah, I guess that was that was exposition too, but Yeah, oh man, Pat, I'm surprised this one didn't work for you. Or maybe not. I guess there's no space puppets in it. So Oh boy. What are you gonna do? Uh yeah, I I quite enjoyed it. Well, I, I guess we should move on i guess it's a I just, want to, I, just want to, I just want to read I, I went to his wikipedia to see what how they described the, the the surgery and it says they got the surgery and it says it his altered look has been described both as ruggedly handsome and also as chipmunk like i go with the latter we can't be both i mean alvin yeah, is, I, go with, I would go with ruggedly chipmunk yeah <laughs> he's a rugged chipmunk for sure <laughs> um well it's two thumbs up one thumb down but uh, we'll take a break and talk about the other movie, Police Story, in a moment, if you guys are don't have anything else to say on this one. No, and I got nothing to do today, so. Okay. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back. We had a comrade, a brave comrade. He could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero Tried talking about Shamiro To computers wearing earphones He almost died for conversation Hallucinations, good vibrations Van Dyke Park's Greyhound Racing Steeplechasing, the Reformation Transubstantiation, Bram Stoker's 
talking over the break, uh, only in a movie that weird could we totally neglect to mention that the hitman gets uh, aroused by sniffing boiling rice. Sexually aroused. Uh, but there you go. So now police story. All right. Oh, sorry, I... one second. One second. I just found it. I, we, we were also talking about this over the break. Um, I just found I, I mentioned I thought I'd read this somewhere and I just found it. Uh, we found out in the Blu-rays accompanying interviews with Suzuki and assistant director of Masami Kazuzu that his rice sniffing fetish was connected merely out of need for product placement of the rice cooker. <laughs> oh, that's so there you go. Hey, that's uh, commerce driving art. Hmm? Um, what a sellout. I mean, yeah, they didn't. He didn't take it to the heights of Mac and me, I guess. <laughs> but that, they were, that, that was still product, in its infancy. Never, did that have a lot of product place, placement? That movie was that. Yeah, it was, for that? it was like paid for by McDonald's. Oh. <laughs> or produced by McDonald's or whatever. Um, all right, police story. David and I had seen. Had you? You had not seen this one, Pat? Is that right? Nope, never saw it. So, all right, let's get let's get Mister Negative's thoughts on this one. I thought it was fun. Yeah. As I was watching it, I was thinking when I was a kid, the, I guess there's like a 20 year period where Kung Fu movies were huge, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Mostly late... 70s into early 80s, I guess. Yeah. I would say late 80s, but whatever. Maybe. There's... But So when I was a kid, Saturday mornings, other kids would like watch watching these Kung Fu movies and I couldn't stand them. But if I'd ever seen this, I would have agreed with them because this was really fun. I think I... the ones that were on Saturday mornings were more like the, the, the had like this whole like fantastical mytholo- mythological story to it and it wasn't all modern so it was just kind of went on and on but this was i thought this was a fun movie well they're also so this is a much better made movie than mm-hmm. most of those were yeah i mean i saw enter the dragon probably a hundred times when i was a kid um but yeah i had never seen this one and which was i guess it's not that surprising i was like what 15 when this came out 85 um i don't remember it having having a big market here, although it was his international breakthrough, I guess, Jackie, Jackie Chan directed. Um, and, and he was in Into the Dragon, right? No, Jackie Bruce Chan? Lee. Well, I know Bruce Lee started oh, in it, I, but Jackie Chan was in it. I Shit. thought so. I don't know. Because no, I didn't I know who Jackie Chan was back then. Um, but I, did, I, I probably saw that like in high school, or, uh, Enter the Dragon in high school or something. I love that, but it just seemed like that was apart from... Well, yeah, that one was produced by an actual uh, Hollywood studio, so uh, for the time it was it was much better than the really poorly dubbed cheap ones that you probably watched on Saturday mornings. Yeah, that was his first movie, End of the Dragon. Okay. Um. Anyway, yeah, this one is is well, it's called Police Story, and that's what it is. But again, it's got a, a pretty much pot boiler kind of uh, police procedural action movie plot, but it's really about the the stunts and yeah, I mean, which are all super fun. the The humor is I don't know at a third grade level. And <laughs> I still loved it. I knew I knew he you always, would. He gets he always gets for slapsticky, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, he he's very good at it, so it helps. Although it was a little little disturbing to have jokes around rape calls coming into a police station. But... I, I was going to say, that was the one where they kind of were making a, a, a gag out of a, one woman being raped, one woman being beaten by her husband. Yeah, yeah. yeah they could have a gag. It might have been better to choose different crimes, but it was a different time. Was, yeah, that, that really shows up like 
the difference in culture between then and now. Yeah, that was a scene where he's alone in the precinct and he has to answer a million calls and he's like juggling them. I mean, it, it, yeah, it could have been funny with different crimes, but as it was, it just made you kind of squirm. Yeah. Um, but also in this, uh, Maggie Chung, who is a big Hong Kong actress. She, if you saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you, you've seen her. Um, but she's been, she's been around forever, um, playing his girlfriend, but also he's, he's kind of an asshole. Like he's, he's hitting on (laughs) other women, but he's got his, his girl. Yeah. I don't know. But it was, it was it was funny because I thought there's there's kind of like a boilerplate for bodyguard movies where the movie starts with the bodyguard and the woman not getting getting along and in the end they're in a romance and I thought that was going to happen here but no not at all yeah <laughs> no, it was better it was better for that oh god damn it um that's me nope that was me I was getting a no it was me <laughs> I was actually calling. David to call John. I was getting a call. Sorry. Um, I don't know why I have my phone synced to this computer. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, it was, uh, it's a very, very fun movie and the stunts are amazing. Uh, I really like that. The, I mean, the movie starts off being super fast action packed and there's a car chase through this shanty town to start the movie off. And unlike car chases in every single other movie, at the end of the car chase, all the cars are destroyed as they would be after going through <laughs> yeah. so many objects. Yeah, and I think, and and then right after that, there's another stunt on the bus. Yeah. With yeah, it mm-hmm. just like jumps from action scene to action scene, and the and the fight scenes are like just watching them. I'm like, these people must have broken bones filming this I, shit. I think. I think in the closing credits as they do in, in, in all his films, they show, you know, the behind the scenes and there was at least three or four people being carried out in stretchers. Yeah. Yeah. In, and, including him. <laughs> yeah. And with bloody heads and yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's, that's something he started with this and had did ever after the look like, making of over the credits. Cause I did enjoy watching those. Yeah. He, uh, I think in almost all his films, Maybe all of them at the closing credits. Yeah, he'll show the stunts behind the scenes and him getting hurt. Yeah, you never saw Rush Hour, Pat? No, I didn't. Actually, actually, I've never seen Rush Hour. Sorry. I don't understand the words that you are saying. No, that's my Jackie Chan impression. Um, yeah the the humor was the weak point for me. I mean, there were times where I was just groaning at it, (laughs) but. But it like this is in the you can definitely see watching this and and thinking even back thinking to Enter the Dragon and stuff like that this is where John Wick got its its style from is the kung fu movies really mm-hmm. yeah what do they call gun fu no something like that yeah I think it is gun fu um but just super impressive and and you're you understand why Jackie Chan got so huge watching this. Oh, um, the one weird thing about this movie is, is I mean, the plot doesn't matter, but about 20 minutes before the end, there's a complete tonal shift from this like really funny, lighthearted action comedy kind of thing to kind of death wish with Kung Fu. Yeah. 
where where things are he got framed for a murder and he's gonna to save his name by kidnapping his his lieutenant or whatever his commander and then at the end he just starts when the the fighting happens like all everything the that whole scene where the mall is destroyed every every piece of glass in the mall is destroyed and at the end he's like <laughs> the guy gets arrested he's just sick of everything so he just punches him and kicks him out <laughs> so funny after how the rest of the movie was so light where this just it just got dark real quick well that you've got to have you got to have bigger stakes for the third act resolution david knows about this <laughs> yes <laughs> well there was also that you know the one other scene that was similar to that in that it suddenly all of it all of a sudden just became very dramatic and i thought in a really well done way is towards the towards the end where he's back in the police st- station and he starts he starts he gives that that monologue yelling at the boss about how you know mm-hmm. you, you got this promotion based on us and you know we're out risking our lives and you're in here following the rules and it, it's a pretty serious scene and i thought <laughs> it was a, a decent performance from him oh yeah, yeah. I, I think his performance was was fine in this movie i that will and that was also like another another theme was that like he would do all this work and his superiors would take the credit for it mm-hmm. um and th- there's that that one guy who i guess is i don't know the second in command who they call uncle who's mm-hmm. who's like kind of a goof and you couldn't really picture him being an actual policeman but he's always trying to take credit for jackie chan's work um he's, he's a real shithead about it too <laughs> but um, then he in the end he does protect him yeah well yeah he's he's got to use him for uh, more cases there was <laughs> there was a sequel i don't know if either of you have seen it well, I, I, I actually started with the police story 2013, so I've seen them all except for the first one. Now I'm complete. No, I've well, not seen the sequel. I mean, Super Cop was a, considered a sequel to this, right? Because I did see Super Cop. Oh, I don't know. I I, I watched Police Story 2 um, after I watched this because I thought this one was so fun. And um, don't don't bother. Super police... Cop is police, is police Story 3. It is. Ah. Okay. Yeah, I... It seemed like in Police Story 2, they, I guess because this one was a big international hit, they went more with, like, an Americanized, like, Bruce Willis action movie thing. The tone was completely different, and it just didn't, it wasn't fun. It's a slog, actually. Um, That's too bad. Yeah, which was... Maybe the the further ones are better. Yeah. I was surprised with this one how much, uh, how American it felt. Like it was definitely not an American movie, but it did have it, de- it definitely felt American in a lot of ways, like the music and stuff. Oh yeah, the, yeah, they were using the I guess the Hong Kong pop music of the day, mm-hmm. um, the way they would it. I mean, they get American films there. It's not like I I, I understand that. Yeah, no, I mean it. It was definitely. I mean, just it just felt like it's just an '80s movie. Yeah, all. yeah, yeah, definitely an '80s movie. It felt yeah, it felt very of the time, no matter what country for sure yeah Correct. yeah, yeah. Um, d- not arty for sure mm-hmm. not it wasn't a nope. seijin suzuki nope um but yeah i liked i liked all the performances even the even the clownish ones um <laughs> they they worked um the some of the i love i really loved like the well i always love in the 80s when they're like downloading computer data like it cracks me <laughs> up oh i liked when they when we got to see the the secretary's house where it's every every wall in the house has a picture of her on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it fit her character 
Um, now is she is she famous or is she is this one and done? I don't know who she is. Yeah. Uh, okay. No idea. But that was another funny gag when um, when he goes to court and he tries to play the recording and she switches it with oh, yeah. a recording of him yeah. trying to hit on her. <laughs> She's recorded as an icon of Chinese cinema. Well, that even better though. He she he wasn't really trying to hit on her. It was her manufacturing him yes. right. doing it. Yes, she like was the thing with the cactus, and she made it seem like he was, he was talking about you know. Yeah, and then she made she made him spill the water, and she's like, "Oh, you got me all wet." Yeah, that was pretty well, clever, actually. Yeah, that was some and pretty it, good foresight that she knew that he would be playing that tape in court one day. Yep. But yeah, well, she knew he'd play it somewhere. She. Yeah, that's true. I actually missed that she was recording that until he played that in the court, and then it all came together why she did that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's really about it's really about the fight scenes, though. Yeah, um, and they were great. Yeah, they were faultless. I thought. Um, yeah, I, I had seen it before, but it had been a very long time. Uh, the only thing I really kind of remembered was the the shopping mall sequence at the end, and it it holds it holds up. Oh yeah, yeah. all of well, it I holds up. I mean, I know there was a big a big scene and he hurt himself doing it, but I didn't need to see him sliding down that pole four times. Oh, dude, no. Once you do a stunt <laughs> like that, you got to do an instant replay three times. <laughs> I loved it. That, like, I seriously cracked up when they did the instant replay on that. Oh, I, yeah. That whole, that whole section was was funny funny in different ways than the rest of the movie. It was it was enjoyable. Like, I wasn't laughing because it was funny. I was laughing. I was like, oh, my God, that's really cool. <laughs> I, I was reading on on the Wikipedia page that you know he was very nervous before that stunt, the sliding down the light pole, and I guess one of his uh, co stuntmen like gave him a, a Buddhist prayer paper, and he put he put it down his pants during this time. <laughs> That's exactly where you should put your prayer papers. Was Rush Hour was Rush Hour his first big American movie? I jo- think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, because he was, like I said, this this was an international hit, but not, not it, it was still a Hong Kong movie, you know? I think that was his big first big Hollywood movie, but I'm not even sure. I just, I mean, I know of him, and I never saw, I know I saw him in a movie, I'm just trying to think of what that could have been, because I never saw Rush Hour. I thought maybe there was something before that that, I, I don't know. There might have, I think he was still just doing Hong Kong movies before mm-hmm. that. I know Drunken Master is supposed to be good. Was that? Have you guys seen that? I one? haven't seen that, or maybe no. I have. I don't know. I don't remember it in any case. Kung Fu Panda, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought I loved. I loved the entire mall scene, um, just fighting with shopping carts and <laughs> using everything you can. <clears throat> and I, I all like. Just like with the Blues Brothers, that mall scene. Like when I'm watching this, I'm like, how much? How much did it cost? Yeah. To do this. That that's where my head always goes. I was like, this had to be expensive. Well, what was the budget on this movie? Oh, good question. What was the budget, and what did it take in? It took uh, in twenty-two point two 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 million. Oh, that, dollars. That's good for eighty-five. Yeah. Uh, can't seem to find the budget for it. Yeah, I see the same thing you do, Pat. That just the box office um, production film gross. Yeah, it doesn't say. Um, anyway, yeah, grossed highest in Hong. Okay, so by international, it was yeah. Maybe it, it looks like it didn't do super great here. It probably wasn't released uh, widely here because it was mostly mm-hmm. Hong Kong, Taiwan, Japan, South Korea. 
East Asia. That's what they... Um, yeah, well, I'm glad you enjoyed this one, Pat. <laughs> Do we have uh, anything else to say on it? I, I, yeah, this was a fun one for me. Both, yeah. both movies, mm-hmm. actually. I know not yeah. for you, Pat, but um, I, I really want to get more into world cinema. Um, not that I haven't seen a bunch, but have you? What is your what is your like Japanese film? Uh, what have you seen, David? Like have you, you you must have seen some Kurosawa and stuff. Yeah, I've seen um, you know most of Kurosawa, at least you know most of the ones that are are common here. Uh, that probably kind of the extent. Um, have you seen the eel? What the hell's no. the eel? Oh, that's a really good movie, Japanese movie. The eel. Mm-hmm. I I'm sure you've seen that, John. I'm sure I haven't. I think you should look it up. I bet you've seen it. Um, because it was really popular when it came out. Because I saw it. <laughs> I would I would recommend. No, I I don't think I have. I haven't even heard of it. Um, I would recommend since we all have a Criterion Channel. Um, Edward Yang. He's from Taiwan. Um, he did. I think I've recommended them both on the podcast before, Pat. But one of them is like a four-hour-long movie called uh, Brighter Summer Day. But you know, we're all indoors. He can watch it. Mm-hmm. And the other one is is shorter because it's only three hours, I think. Um, called Yi Yi. Y I Y I. You should definitely check one or both of those out. Um, okay. Yeah. They're they're great. Anyway, uh, I guess we're done. But he's not Japanese. Story. I thought you were going recon- to recommend oh, a Japanese one for us and such you asked about. He's Taiwanese. Well, there's plenty of Japanese stuff on uh, Criterion Channel you can find. Um, I wonder how you're, you're some, if someone watches the same movie three times on the Criterion Channel, what that does to your recommendations. Oh, I don't know. Does it give you recommendations? <laughs> I'm only joking. It's, I know. It's not like Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, what about uh, Wong Kar Wai? Have you watched any of his stuff? Either uh, I don't recognize the name. Oh, okay. Um, Chungking Express is great. And... Oh, yeah, 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 yes. I've, I've seen Chungking Express, yes. And then In in the Mood for Love is his other big one. Um, okay. Well, we can close it up, I guess, uh, on, these, on these movies. Thanks for watching them, guys. But... I guess we should move on to recommendations, Asians, Asians. You guys go, because I have nothing. Uh, you have something, David? Uh, sort of. I have a, yeah, sort of. Okay. I do. I do, yes. Should I go first? Yeah. Sure. So my recommendation, Asians, 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 during this this period of, you know, anybody listening to the future, where this is being recorded during the pandemic, so we're all shut in, my attention span has been for shit. Oh, me too, yeah. I watch something for a half hour, an hour, and I kind of have to move on to something else. I've had a lot of trouble completing books, watching. Same. Know, it's, it's just been tough. It's tough because my mind just keeps wandering. Yeah. And one thing I found that helps, especially being shut in, is I've been watching a lot of travel shows, tr- travel shows and a lot of travel channels on YouTube. So that's kind of become my comfort is watching YouTube channel show, travel shows. Um, there's there a couple I've been watching that have really helped me kind of like get out of my headspace, and because I love traveling, I love getting out, I love road trips, and obviously that's not nothing that's coming on right now. Um, 
there are two channels I've been watching a lot of that's, that has really been helping out. Uh, the first one is this guy. Uh, I don't know his real name, but the name of the channel is called Bald and Bankrupt. <laughs> and he's he's a bald guy who apparently is went bankrupt, but he speaks fluent. He's he's British. He's from England. He speaks, I think, for his heritage. He speaks fluent Russian. And what his channel is, it's almost exclusively him going to these backwater Russian villages and just filming himself, you know, interacting with the locals, going to all these different, you know, tr- towns that no, there are no tourists in any of these towns because they're, they're, they're nothing towns. And him seeing all the old Soviet buildings, old Soviet sites, and he's he's obsessed with Soviet old Soviet bus stations. So he'll, he'll film all those. Uh, it's really interesting to watch and it's a culture that i really don't know a whole lot about so it's kind of fun seeing and especially not you know he's not going to moscow he's not going to the big he's not you know he's going right. to like the small villages you, you would never in a million years either know about or want to go to but it's interesting seeing him go and interact with these people uh the other one i've been watching that's more american is this a channel called the carpetbagger and he is this also bald. Maybe I'm just interested in, in bald channel tra- travel shows. Not really think about it. <laughs> but he's, he's, you know, he's not like your typical YouTuber. He's just kind of like overweight and bald, and just kind of nebbishy looking, but super likable. And what he does is he travels around America, goes on road trips, and he'll go to like all the roadside attractions and you know all the the the, the weird you know the giant ball of twine and all those things. <laughs> he suffers so we don't have to, basically. Exactly, but it, it's so he, he's so <laughs> likable and and it's so much fun seeing him go to all these weird places that I just really have been enjoying watching, going back and watching all his channel. And now he is quarantined with the rest of us, so he's kind of struggling to come up with stuff to do in his house. But it's a uh, those two channels have been helping me kind of get out of my headspace and virtually travel. So, oh, cool. Yeah, that's fun. Well, all right, I will. You know, I, I you kind of made me think of it's not really travel related, but uh, I'll recommend uh, the Monterey Bay Aquarium has a penguin cam from uh, nine, <laughs> oh, nice. nine to five weekdays. It's on uh, uh, Pacific time. Uh, so sometimes I just watch that and it's very uh, relaxing. Why only nine to five? I don't I know. All day and all night. <laughs> I know. I, that's what I was hoping for, but I guess they See got to sleep. If they really are monogamous. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll also recommend, um, I think the only network late night host who's really killing it with the Trump stuff is Seth Meyers. Um, mm-hmm. I think he does so much of a better and in-depth job of skewering Trump than anybody else who... The rest kind of rely on lazy jokes, I feel like. Um, but I, I really enjoy Seth Meyers' uh, takes on on politics. So I'll recommend that, too. Great. Pat. I'm going to recommend the novel by Drew McGarry, Point B, a teleportation, teleportation love story. It's an uh, author I've talked about before where I like his rants online, but I also like his writing. His last book was really good called The Hike. I've recommended that in the past, and this is the one that just came out. It's about this teenager who uh, lives in a, a futuristic world that tele- teleportation is possible and popular. Oh, I think he's kind of sticking it to us, David, that he can read, finish I, I a know. book. I mean, that's <laughs> what it sounds you, like. You and your attention span. It's an easy reader, so. I can't even finish easy reads, although I, have, I haven't really been doing easy reads. I've been, like I told you, Pat, I've been reading a lot of the classics, like Greek classics and stuff, Roman. Um, yeah. 
so they're not necessarily way to brag the greek classics are easy reads (laughs) no i'm saying they're not they're not actually easy reads i can see why i'm not i'm having trouble finishing them but it they're books that i wouldn't have had as much trouble finishing pre-quarantine i don't know uh, there's got to be somebody's got to have studied why our attention spans are fucked during this but i i don't know why I think I've read theories that your subconscious is taken up with worrying about everything else. You don't really just don't have the, the, the strength to, to pay attention to other things. Yeah. I, I don't have the strength to watch the news anymore. I, I'm just like, I don't know what the point is. I, I don't watch the news. We stopped watching the news. Um, and so we don't have cable. So like um, at 11, when the news comes on, we don't watch it. We watch reruns of friends and i have to say that show is god awful <laughs> i don't know why people love that show so much it's terrible <laughs> but that's a good rachel um thanks but but there's literally nothing else to watch at that time i think i've seen like two or three episodes of it it's pretty funny is it though <laughs> i don't know it's been a long it's time not. since i've seen it no here's a suggestion yeah you, you could watch nothing <laughs> read those books you yeah, can't why don't we just stare at the wall david what are we cavemen <laughs> but not watching i have not watched the news in i think 20 years it's just not something i've ever been interested in doing i'll read but i never liked watching local news or national news for that matter well i i used to i mean i love the pbs news hour but i don't even watch that anymore because all it is is covid19 shit yeah, I, I'm the same with John. I, I used to watch the news. I don't anymore for the same reason. I, I assume I'll get pop-up news alerts if anything really exactly comes up. Yeah, but I just I can't do it anymore. There's just it it it's it's not helping me. No, same yeah, same here. It's it's definitely bad for mental health. Um, we have been watching Pat, person of interest. I think I told you. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fun show. I mean, it's super ridiculous too. Yep. Um, yeah, but it. I mean, when it you, came out, it was predicting things that actually happened after it came out. Like everything about Snowden, Snowden came out after that show started and was on. It's so weird how they were ahead of the game on that stuff. Yeah, it's it's fun. I'll I will say mm-hmm. that. Um, I we we were trying to keep track of how many times cars crash into other cars on that show, but we lost count <laughs> because it's like at least a couple an episode. I feel yep. like it seems like that's a popular way for government agents to kill each other. Mm. It is a good, uh, it is a good, like fairly mindless entertainment show, David, if you, it's on Netflix. Um, okay. if you haven't seen it. And also, as I've said before, Billy on the street helps me out sometimes too. Oh yeah. I've been enjoying that. I've yeah. seen a, a whole bunch of that. Yeah. Um, they can only handle him in small doses. Well, but... exactly. You can't watch <laughs> too many in a row. Yeah. Um, He's good on Bob's Burgers, too. Oh, speaking of, did you guys watch the Parks and Rec special? I did, yes. Yeah, that yeah. was... It was it fine. Was, it was, exactly. It wasn't, like, over-the-top funny, but it was it was comfortable. It was nice seeing yeah. them again. And I think... Made me feel good. Not surprisingly, John Ralphio was the funniest yeah. scene in it. And then oh. Jam was funny as well with his hair. That's the other uh, John Raphael, the uh, actor. Yes, he's, he's got a new improv show. Yes, with uh, the, the guy from uh, uh, Yeah, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Yeah, have you seen that? Yes, that's another thing I'd recommend. Yes, those are hilarious. Did you watch them, Pat? You yeah, I recommended it last right? episode. Oh, I thought you only watched the first one though. <laughs> yeah, I just watched the first one, but I still recommend it because it's so funny. Yeah, I saw them when they came. It, it's worth seeing. It's it's even funnier in person. So if we're ever able to see things outside of it again. I'd recommend going to see them when they come to town. 
another way to make me and David feel less than. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that'll do it for this episode. Thanks, David, for coming on again. Yeah, thanks. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. I think uh, we, me and David should just do a side podcast of uh, of old foreign films since Pat clearly has no appreciation. That should, you never saw... that should be the title of it, too. <laughs> yeah. Old You've never films. seen The Eel, so you have no appreciation either. I don't believe that that's a real movie. I think you're just <laughs> right. I think it's a dish you ate once at a at an Asian restaurant, and you were so you were so impressed that, that they actually ate eel that you you made it into a movie in your head. Um, all right. Uh, what's the Pat? You do the thing. I can't concentrate. Write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail if you'd like to. Make fun of me for not liking Branded to Kill or commending me for liking the eel or any other reason. Uh, like us on Facebook, rate us highly on iTunes and write a review. And most importantly, tell your friends to listen. That's it. Uh, That's all. Take care, everybody. Survive this corona thing. And uh, we'll be back with something sometime. Uh, until then, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye.